afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion, and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Marty, minister to the Grace Adventist Centre and Sterling Seventh-day Adventist Churches right here in Adelaide, and I'm joined by... Pastor Bar- uh, Gary, sorry, Pastor Gary. Pastor Barry is a good friend of mine back on the East Coast. Um, Gary, great to have you here today. How how are you going? And and to come more to the point, how are you enjoying daylight saving? There's only a few days left of it. Are you trying to actually get me all stirred up? On, I am uh, on this particular subject. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm uh, look. Well, firstly, it's really good to be able to join you in the co-host uh, seat today. Uh, there's actually so much uh, in the subject that we're going to be uh, looking today, uh, looking at today. Uh, but, uh, you know, right now uh, here in Adelaide, Adelaide is such a beautiful uh, place to, to, to live. But unfortunately, this time of the year, we've got this thing called daylight saving. I actually call it daylight robbery. I go out walking, oh. in the, walking in the morning and I'm totally envious of all my mates up there in Queensland. You know, <laughs> you know Queensland's actually on the <laughs> East Coast and they've actually don't have daylight robbery. And and uh, I, I well remember living in uh, in Queensland, and I have to admit, at this time of the year, I look in absolute yeah. envy yeah. at yeah. Uh, at uh, at my mates up there in Queensland because they're actually able to get up when the sun gets yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right? I, I'm out there at the moment walking in the. Our body clocks are all out of whack. I mean, uh, my kids came in at ten to six this morning, and I'm reaching over for the phone, thinking, "What is the time?" And you know, the, the kids well, the kids moment, are an alarm that you can't switch off. You know, and so. You you just got to get up. There's no option. Well, that's exactly right. You know, I mean, at the moment, the sun is getting up here in Adelaide at uh, 25 past seven. <laughs> it doesn't get up until 25 that's past a, yeah, seven. Wow, wow, wow. And, uh, and I'm sort of, I'm trying to work out this, you know, this, this daylight robbery. You know, hey, there's... I think we I think we could do a little bit better than what we're doing. But look, mm. that's my hobby horse, and I, I I won't pester our listeners anymore. Well, Gary, it's great to hear. I, I love your sense of humour, and um, you're going to be sharing with us something important a bit later on. Just give us a little sneak peek into what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, this week we're actually dealing, of course, with that subject entitled uh, "You Are Not a Robot," uh, which which I reckon is it's actually a real ripper uh, of a of a subject because you know the beautiful thing is that our God did not create robots but there's something about robots that you know sometimes we miss out uh, on robots are robots are able to go continually they don't need rest they don't need relaxation they don't need time off you set them going and they just keep on going but we're going, we're talking this week you are not a robot you're actually a person who needs uh, needs rest and uh, so of course mm-hmm. we're talking about this subject of the the Sabbath. Now, this is something I'm particularly uh, passionate about, uh, but today's subject is entitled, uh, Is the Sabbath Just for Jews? Because, you know, there, there's this belief out there that the Sabbath is meant for the Jewish nation. Uh, but, you know, what we're going to look at today is I believe there is enough in Scripture to say uh, the Sabbath is not just for Jews. It's actually intended for all 
all of humanity. Mm, I'm looking forward to that, Gary. It's going to be a good discussion. You know, when, when I heard about this theme, You Are Not a Robot, it made me remember a story, a funny story that I'd heard about the older British biologist, Thomas Huxley. Huxley was running late for a meeting and he runs out and jumps into his cabbie, a horse cabbie, of mm-hmm. course, horse-drawn, horse-drawn cabbie, and he yells to the driver, go quick, I'm running late, and boom, they're off, you know, in a cloud of dust, etc. And he sits back for a moment in the cabbie, starts to relax, and then this horrifying thought comes into his mind and he leans forward and he says, sir, ca- cabbie, driver, do you know where we're going? And the driver says, no, sir. But I'm going as fast as I can. <laughs> and, you know, I just wonder how many of us can be a bit like that. We've got these yeah. busy lives, hectic schedules, but where are we actually going in life? When do we actually stop and hit the pause button and reflect on what is most important in life? And so uh, I, I'm, I, I'm also very passionate about the subject we're going to be looking into. I think that story is actually week. really good because I think more and more uh, our entire world is running at a breakneck speed in a direction, but it doesn't know where it's actually running to. You know, it's running in many cases off the rails, but mm-hmm. sometimes if you've got an opportunity to just uh, stop, slow down and think, it's amazing how you can restructure uh, yeah. your, your yeah. life. And uh, this is something that, you know, to me, I, I think it's so key uh, to, to our lives and we're going to be talking about it today. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely the way to make the most out of life and not get so far down the track and then look back and go, wait on, wait on, what have I actually been doing this whole time mm. without actually being intentional? and uh, yeah, meaningful about what we're doing. Our World Watch segment today is called Four in Ten Aussies Would Go to an Easter Service. And I'm just going to read a couple of uh, couple of quotes from this article. And uh, Easter, of course, is just around the corner. Indeed, indeed. And um, four in ten, 42 exactly, uh, percent of Australians would go to an Easter service, the article. This is Rebecca Abbott writing. She says, if invited by a close friend or family member. Another 19% of the respondents... Um, in the survey said they were unsure if they would accept the invitation. So it's a maybe. And 29% said they wouldn't, they wouldn't t- attend. 10% said they had no church attending friends or family to invite them. Mm. Um, so then she goes on to say though that while 42% of Australians might attend an Easter service, the actual numbers of attendees was much lower. This must have been from last year. Just 17%. Mm. Interestingly, people from all age groups were equally uh, likely to say yes to an invitation, she said, highlighting that there is no statistically significant differences between younger or older Australians when it came to their likeliness to attend an Easter service. And then the final little point here that I, I, I thought was interesting in the article, four in ten Australians surveyed said they have limited or no familiarity with Christianity. Mm. So, Gary, first of all, 42% say they would attend if invited by a good friend or family member. Is that more or less than you would have expected? 
Yeah, look, I didn't actually think it would be that high a percentage, frankly. Uh, to, to me, I'm actually, um, well, in, in some ways pleasantly surprised at that because it means that there is a, a significant potential out there uh, for you know Christian people, and I'm talking Christian right across the, the board here, mm-hmm. to be able to invite their, their friends uh, to a place of worship, certainly at this major time of the year. And of course, I assume that probably the Christmas season might uh, might reflect similar uh, type of statistics. I think you're right. I was chatting with a lady the other day and she said that she went to a particular church service um, on Christmas and, and she heard some uh, some some perhaps well-meaning but, uh, you know, s- some ladies sitting behind her that didn't maybe have a lot of tact anyway. They, mm. they were sort of commenting, oh, they only come here on Christmas service. And mm. she was a bit uh, a bit offended by what yeah, they said, yeah, Gary. Yeah, she yeah, turned yeah. around and she said, no, you're, not, you're wrong, you know. I come for Easter as well. <laughs> so, you know, twice a year. Yeah. But... The reality is there is a lot of people who are interested in coming on Easter, and I, I think that that is really positive, and I think um, what a what a great time to actually just say, hey, why don't you come along, you know, friends, and, family and that's, members, etc. That's et the thing I think that is actually so important. It screams at us as, you know, as Christian people uh, when we realise that, uh, you know, if in fact 42%, close enough to half of the Australian population would actually go along to church uh, with their uh, their friend, their next door neighbour, perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, if they were actually actually invited. To me, that's saying, "Hey, this is a this is something that maybe as Christian people we haven't taken enough uh, enough notice of." And I, I know mm-hmm. myself in uh, uh, that the real challenge for certainly churches that I've pastored is that, of course, that's also the time of the year when uh, often my congregation, if they're going to have holidays, you know, at Christmas time they'll pack up and uh, go on holidays. That's right. Uh, yeah. If uh, Easter time, that's the last really long holiday before the winter season starts to really kick in here in Oz. And uh, uh, and so people tend uh, to, uh, you know, well, certainly my churches have tended to head away on holidays and uh, doing evangelism is something that you know, really uh, maybe is done at a more convenient season for the church uh, for the church member rather than for the community it uh, itself. Mm. It, it's a real challenge. This one. Mm. This is a challenge, and and I think that's why there's a significant difference between the amount of people who said they would come. And the actual figure there, only 17% of Australians are actually going to attend uh, an Easter service. And um, is it possible that even many Christians, Gary, have become too busy for God? Yeah. Is, is, is this yeah. is this one of the challenges that we're facing? Well, this is something only seventeen percent. This is something we're actually going to bring up today in today's study uh, study as well. You know, Christian have Christians become too busy for God? Uh, I think that the answer to that question is that's certainly a significant danger. In many cases, the answer is yes. Uh, you know, to we are living such a fast paced life. 
uh, mm. you know, you know, to be able to, you know, how important it is if you're going to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, how important it is to be able to spend time, uh, with Him, uh, in, uh, in prayer, in, in reading the Word, in, you know, in fellowshipping with, uh, uh, with believers. Uh, that's all part of the, the Christian experience. And yet we live in a world that is now so fast paced. I've actually had people, mm-hmm. uh, say to me, uh, Pastor, how do you, how do you ever find the time? Because even those that, uh, you know, often do go to church, mm-hmm. uh, it's a, one hour allocation on one day of a week. It's certainly not a, you know, a Sabbath. I know that's the subject we're going to be dealing with today, but it's, you know, how can you possibly allocate an entire day, uh, to, uh, you know, uh, to rest, to, to family, to fellowship, to, you know, and uh, I'm going to come to this, uh, as we, as we move into today's study, but I think that that is also closely connected to this entire subject of, uh, uh, of Easter and and also Christmas. This is so important, isn't it? Yeah. How do we how do we find balance in life, and how do we f- strike? Yeah, that 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 right balance where I'm actually prioritizing the things that are most important to me. I think if you were to ask most Christians, Gary, what's the most important thing to you? I I, I imagine most of them would say God. My relationship with God is the most important thing to me. Um. If you would then ask probably, you know, what, what ranks in second would probably family, right? And then works probably lower down on the, on the list. And yet when we actually look at how we do kind of work our lives, it doesn't often reflect these actual values that we, that we do have, but we just live in a world that probably makes it challenging well, to actually live out our values. Well, the demands for the immediate uh, seem to jump in front of the most significant demands because, uh, you know, th- this is something that I- I'm so conscious, you know. I mean, if you go and talk to, to people who maybe are nearing the end of their life, and many studies have been done in this area, and you ask them, you know, what sort of things would you do differently, the answers have been remarkably consistent between believer and unbeliever, and what one of those answers is I'd make more time for family, mm-hmm. and that one is remarkably consistent. That that particular response, you know, they don't say, "I wish I had spent more more uh, hours at the office." <laughs> that's what they don't. Nobody Never. says that. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because that's not where true meaning and happiness is found. We 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 know that, and and unfortunately, sometimes we know that best. When life is uh, is coming to an end, and and people do reflect like that, yeah. Um, I I I love what you're saying there. It's like the tyranny of the urgent often yeah. gets in the way of what is most important in life. So yeah. I'm really excited. We're going to be looking at this subject of of the Sabbath of rest. And for our listeners out there today, we actually have a giveaway. It's a book called When God Said Remember. It's by Mark Finley. He is perhaps one of the um he's one of the the best writers that I know. He's an event he's a, an international evangelist. He's done evangelistic series in literally I'm, I'm going to say over a hundred countries. Oh, he speaks in an incredibly uh, a, a simple manner. He speaks in, but he also writes in a very simple manner. But it's straight to the point. It's very compelling. Uh, there's nothing confronting uh, about it, uh, but he will challenge 
where we are at today. This book is a real beauty. Absolutely. It's it's a beauty. And uh, it's When God Said Remember by Mark Finley. And if you're interested in getting a copy, we'll give you a free copy. What you've got to do is uh, send us a text. Our number is 4 11. That number again is 4 11 and te- send us the text SA110 SA110 and you'll get a free copy we'll deliver you that book when God said remember SA110 is the code to 11. we're going to come to some music now and um yeah, then we're going to be, we'll be back shortly. This is Laura's story with the song Blessings. Protection while we sleep We pray for healing For prosperity We pray for your mighty hand To ease our suffering And all the while You hear each spoken Yet love is way too much to give us lesser things Cause what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? Yeah. 
song blessings what a powerful song that is that uh sometimes when we're going through the hardest times in life that's when god really shows up in a powerful way you know when you go through a period of disappointment you can know that god is about to do something special in your life keep holding on don't give up gary we're um it's great to be back together and um once again just wanted to say that if you were interested in that uh, free giveaway we're giving away the book called when god said remember by mark finley an incredible book that looks at the topic of the sabbath and uh, prepare to have your beliefs gently and lovingly challenged in this book, incredibly well written by one of the best authors that I know. And uh, the code, if you want to get a free book, is SA110. Again, the code is SA110. And you text that code to 04888808811. So, Gary, the Ten Commandments... Um, We talked about that last week. This week, we're uh, looking at this idea of, are you a robot? Uh, (laughs) We're not robots. And you're specifically going to talk about this question about, uh, is the Sabbath just for the Jewish people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, this is a <laughs> this is a really interesting one. It's one that's it's come to me a few times. And of course, last week, uh, what we were doing was looking at the uh, looking at the well. We looked at the last uh, four or five uh, commandments, the ones to do with uh, humanity. And what we suggested was that our world would indeed be a better place. If, in fact, uh, we had a population that was prepared to say, hey, look, you know, these are reasonable guidelines. These are reasonable commandments for the big wide world that we, that we live in. But of course, the, uh, the, the, the commandments we actually uh, didn't mention was the, uh, were the first four. But today, uh, well, this entire week, we're actually dedicating this week to the fourth commandment because we want to dig into this particular uh, uh, subject because I'm really conscious that there are a lot of misconceptions out there about this uh, particular subject. Uh, do you know, Marty? One of the things that I really enjoy doing is uh, is just reading. In recent years, uh, for, for many years, I didn't do a lot of reading, but probably in the last uh, five years or so, I've really started to uh, to, to to spend time uh, on a daily basis just reading. And I don't read novels; I actually read nonfiction 
books and particularly books on uh, religion and culture and uh, uh, books that I suppose challenge my my thinking. Now, uh, a little while ago, I did actually stumble across a, a book that uh, it, it actually blew me away because it was uh, it was actually entitled "The Christian Consumer Living Faithfully in a Fragile World." Now, this uh, this book isn't written by anybody of my particular denomination, Laura Hartman, but significantly it's printed uh, as a thesis by Oxford University Press. So it's a, it comes from a fairly uh, good stable mm. of, uh, of printers, the Christian consumer living faithfully in a fragile world. Anyway, uh, I, I'm merrily reading along, and uh, I, I didn't think it would say much about this thing called the Sabbath. I mean, that's connecting, you know, I mean, that's part of my lifestyle, but mm-hmm. uh, I mm-hmm. don't uh, uh, see it, you know, replicated that much in the big wide world in which I'm I'm uh, I'm living. But um, uh, an entire chapter in in this book, and uh, this is some of the, because she starts to move into, and this is in the you know, PhD uh, uh, dissertation uh, printed as uh, the Christian Consumer Living Faithfully in a Fragile World uh, by Oxford University Press, and uh, she starts to talk about of all things the Sabbath. Mm. Now, uh, this is what she says. The Sabbath is a time set apart for communion with God, which takes the focus off human striving and places it on God's purposes. It takes the emphasis off human striving and places it on uh, that that by mm. by you got your highlighter uh, out when you read uh, that oh, didn't you? in fact you look at my book yeah, here and i, I mean, can see the, it underlined it's actually underlined and underlined um, by muting the hubbub of everyday uh, human work we can attend to the softer deeper tones of the work that god does in this world unaided by human hands without setting aside time to listen to god's quiet activity we might see human work as the most important thing in the world we might even start to idolize it sabbath keeping undercuts this potential for idolatry. You know, mm, when I read this on, I, you know, wow. this, this wasn't written That's by... That's gold. A, You're going to have to give me that book after this, Gary. Well, I, I, I want to take that one home. Oh, look, this was not <laughs> written by a Seventh-day Adventist or anything. This is someone just writing a, a, a dissertation and they're starting to preach uh, a sermon to, uh, to to me. Just listen yeah, to this as, yeah. as this goes on. Uh, observing the Sabbath then means more than simply slowing down the pace of activity and simply living one day uh, out of out of seven. It also means trusting God's provision and humbly seeding the illusion of control over one's life. This personal transformation can mean altered consumption habits both on the Sabbath and throughout the rest of the week. And then it, it goes mm, on to I talk. Like it now quotes Seventh-day Adventists. For Seventh-day Adventists, a Sabbath lifestyle means temperance and simplicity in the consumption of food. Uh, thanks to Ellen White's uh, interest in health, the Seventh-day Adventist Church has developed, and it goes in and starts to talk about the impact of the, of the Sabbath on this thing called consumption. Uh, you know, I uh, when I was reading this, in a uh, in a totally a secular book, it I started to realise something of the significance of the uh, this day of rest, this day that's called in scripture uh, a Sabbath. But 
Look, the question I, I do want to deal with today is, is this issue of where does the Sabbath come from? Is the Sabbath just for uh, just for Jews? Now, uh, of course, where does the Sabbath come from? Now, Marty, if I was to ask you, where does the Sabbath come from? How would you respond? I'd go to the book of Genesis, Gary. Uh, I'd go to Genesis chapter 2. And I'd read there that after God created the world, that God rested on the seventh day and he blessed it and he made it holy. This was in a perfect world. Now, look, you've been looking over my shoulder on my notes because... I promise you I haven't. That was straight off the top of my head. Tied off the top of your head. (laughs) Look, that's exactly where I would go to. But, do you know, in fact, let's just go go there because I think this uh, this passage is incredibly powerful. In fact, um, you know, one of the things that a lot of our people I speak to uh, when, when I'm studying, when I'm sharing on this subject with someone, because like, I get quite passionate about this, I often throw a question um, at them that precedes this, uh, this particular uh, subject. And it, it goes like this. The seventh day, um, where does the seven-day week Come from mm. now. Of course, you know a month uh, comes from the, the moon. The moon going yeah. around the, the earth. Uh-huh. A year uh, comes from the uh, earth going, going around, around the, the sun. sun. It's a trip around the sun. Yes, but where does the and the day is uh, the, rotation the, the rotation of the, of the, of the earth. earth? But why a seven day week? Where does it come from? You, oh. Total silence. Now, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Don't you know on radio you're not supposed to have total silence? Well. I'm stumped. You're going to have to tell me, Gary, where does it come from? Yeah, of course it comes from the book of Genesis. It does. It's amazing. The only place where there is no logical reason to have a seven-day week. There is only one place where it's explained. Yeah, isn't it funny that there have been cultures who have actually attempted to tamper with that seven-day week cycle, and it's ended up in chaos, hasn't it? It has. It has. It it, it totally, it did not work. I mean, the French Revolution is the obvious. What did they try, go 10 days or something? 10 days. They wanted to go decimal. Boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy. I mean, uh, the whole play lasted for two or three years, and then, uh, oops, we're going back again. Yeah, that's Seven right. days is that's the way right. we're going. That's right. It's kind of like inbuilt within us, isn't it? This rhythm um, within us, right from the beginning there in the book of Genesis, God that's creating exactly. the world, and he does it right the first time, doesn't he? This is before there's evil and anything like that in the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, of course, the explanation for the Sabbath is exactly the same as that explanation because what we have in the book of Genesis, as you correctly quoted before, is Genesis 2.1. Uh, and, and let me just read it in, in full for, in case people may not be aware of it. Uh, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended the work which, uh, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from the work, uh, which he had made. And the God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Sanctified it means to set aside. Uh, because in it he rested from all the work which he had created and made. You know, Marty, to mm, me, this is beautiful. such a beautiful picture because to me, in the Garden of Eden, in this story of Eden, what we find is that God gives humanity three wonderful gifts. Now, let me ask you something. If you were Adam in the Adam and Eve story, you've just been created, God has given you the entire world. Every diamond in the world is yours. Every piece of gold is yours. Every piece of land on this earth 
is yours. You know, you have dominion over the entire. There isn't hasn't been a richer person than the original mm. Adam and yeah, Eve point. ever ever in this world. Yeah. Now, how? What gift could God give to you that? Would go above mm. and beyond uh, what you already have. Well, it, well, it would have to be something that's not just material. It, it couldn't be a physical gift because he's already got everything. Exactly in that sense. Exactly. But in the Garden of Eden, what God does is He gives uh, Adam and Eve three gifts. Now, a lot of people don't realize He's been give, He gives them three gifts. Uh, sometimes I hear people say, "Hey, He gives them two gifts." He actually gives them three. Uh, and in the Garden of Eden, that's where God uh, says to Adam and Eve, "I'm giving you the gift. I'm giving you a gift of relationship." Yeah. Adam and Eve are given each other. Two mm. sexes mm. have been created, mm-hmm. and I give you relationship. Mm. That is the most beautiful gift that could possibly be given to humanity. Absolutely. And yet, it's also one of those gifts that Satan most attacks. Yeah. The yeah. second gift that God gives to, uh, to humanity is the gift of freedom of choice. You Beautiful. can choose. You can. You have total freedom mm. to be able mm. to choose mm. whether you serve me or whether you don't serve me. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the second. Then there's the third gift. He says, "Hey, I want to give you this. I want to give you rest. I mm. want to give you mm. a day off every week. I am commanding you. Get, get this. I am commanding you to have a holiday mm. every single week." Well, Gary, I, I I don't want to disagree with you there, but I I would say that. Remarkably, here we actually don't find God commanding them to keep the Sabbath, do we? Well, I, I, and, and I'm not. I'm, where I'm going with this is, He gives them something even more powerful, because He demonstrates it with His own example. And every parent knows, example that is actually- example is more powerful than commandment. Commandment doesn't come. This was just part of the plan. That's good. That's good. That was good. part of the plan. God didn't even need to say, I command you in Genesis 2. He I just agree sets the with example. Yeah, that's, that's a far better way of putting it. That's, that's really, oh, that, that's wow. re- okay, that's really okay. good. Oh, I'm happy to concede on, on that particular. <laughs> on that. But look, you know, to me, as I look at this, uh, this story, you know, I mean, why does God rest on the seventh day of the week? I mean, is God tired? Does God get tired? I mean, he's been, he's, he's just created the world. Do I imagine God's getting tired? I, I personally don't, don't think so. I think this is, Gary, where probably some of the misunderstanding of this concept of rest, what, what does the rest actually mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, was God, yeah, was he taking a nap? Was he taking a break? What was the rest that he was actually entering into? On the seventh day. Exactly, exactly. In fact, it actually get the whole story gets a little bit more complex when you realize that Adam and Eve's first full day of life, they haven't been alive for the entire week. They haven't been doing anything. They've only been created on the sixth day. And God creates them. And the very first thing he says to them is, guys, I want you to have a rest tomorrow. Yeah, what a beautiful, <laughs> isn't that awesome? I actually think in some ways, I was thinking about this the other day, Gary, about how the fact that this is a gift of time. It is. This is a gift of time. It's a gift of God's own presence 
to this newly married couple. And I was thinking about that concept of a wedding gift, you know, when, when my wife and I were married, Benny, you know, we were, we were blessed, uh, with, with family and friends giving us various kinds of different gifts mm. for our wedding to help us along in our marriage, right? Mm. That's the whole idea mm. of a wedding gift. Mm. God gives them time. Exactly. How many relationships, like you're saying, could be strengthened through Sabbath keeping? Ah, oh, and look, I think that that is the is the key question. And and some people, you know, say say to me, look, Pastor, what's the point of the the Sabbath? And I just look at them a little bit strange. I have to admit it because to me, the Sabbath actually has two two uh, incredible benefits. It allows me to build relationship uh, vertically uh, with my God mm. and horizontally mm-hmm. with uh, with those uh, in my community. Mm-hmm. And, and to me. That is the point of the Sabbath. Yep. It was created by God for humanity, and mm-hmm. significantly, at this point, there are no Jews. The first Jew doesn't come along uh, for uh, two and a half thousand uh, thousand years, well after the flood. And of course, that's Adam, um, um, Abraham, Isaac, and of course Jacob, whose name was changed to um, uh, to Israel, uh, doesn't come along for two and a half thousand years. Okay, um, Gary, let me just make sure I'm getting you clear on this. You're saying that the Sabbath that originated in the Garden of Eden, that God created was there for more than, what, what did you say, a couple of thousand years before a Jew even existed? That's exactly right. That to, This to me is something that a lot of people actually okay. over overlook because uh, the Sabbath was not initially given to the Jewish nation. It was given to humanity mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. the time of the creation. Mm-hmm. And to me, as I look at that, I say, hey, what a beautiful God we actually serve. It was actually one of the great gifts God gave to humanity. God is saying, hey, he's saying, Marty, Marty, he's saying, I want you to have a rest every week. You are not a robot. You mm-hmm. are so stressed mm-hmm. out. You've got so much to achieve. You've got so mm-hmm. much to accomplish. Your to-do list never stops. It never, it, it just, it just keeps on happening. And, uh, I want you to spend a day in relationship. I want yeah. you to spend a day in relationship with me and with your, uh, your fellows there in worship. Uh, I want you to have the day off. And look, some people have actually said to me, Pastor, look, you know, I mean, it's very legalistic to keep the Sabbath. And I've said to them, well, hey, look, you know, if this is legalistic, bring on legalism because I'm happy. Um, this is something I, <laughs> I find, I find this one of the most beautiful blessings oh, God absolutely. could, God could possibly give to anybody. It's the, it's the symbol of the total opposite of legalism. Legalism is I I work to be saved. How could the idea of taking rest be used to represent legalism? It represents the total opposite. It represents that I rest in God's grace. I rest in the completed work that Christ has done for me that I can't add to it. And I rest because I want to have a relationship, a stronger relationship with God. And like you said, not only God, but also uh, my fellow man as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, look, you're dead right in what you're actually uh, saying there. You know, and to me, this point that the Sabbath uh, was not given, it was given to humanity. It was not given uh, to the Jewish race in its original Exclusively. form. Yeah. Uh, well, in its original form, yeah, it was oh, given, true. in its, it was given to humanity mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, as one of God's gifts. Can, 
Wait, Ma- imagine if we imagine if the Sabbath had continually be kept. Because, like, obviously there did come a time where it was God's people that were, in a way, kind of, that was one of the things that differentiated them from the pagan nations surrounding, that they actually kept uh, the Sabbath. This was, God says in Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 12, that the Sabbath would be a sign between him, God, and his people. And that makes sense because what you've got is that God, of course, is the creator. And what can, what a better sign could you get between God and his people than his people are following, accepting the gift that he has given to them at the time of creation? That's powerful, isn't it, Gary? That's really powerful. We're about to just take a a short break, but before we go there, in case you're wanting to know more about this subject of the Sabbath, there's so much more information that we, that, that could be shared that we unfortunately don't have time to, to share in the short space that we have. If you're interested in this subject of the Sabbath and you want to know more about it, we've got a free giveaway. The book is called When God Said Remember. And that's by Mark Finley, brilliant author, fantastic book. And if you'd like to get a free copy of that book, send us a text. The code to send is SA110, and you're going to send that code to 04888808011. Once again, the code is SA110, and you're going to send that code to 04888808011. 11. We'll be right back just after this song by Casting Crowns. I'll praise you in this storm. I was sure by now, God, you would have reached out and wiped our tears away. Stepped in and saved the day But once again I say amen And it's still raining But as the thunder rolls I barely hear you whisper through the rain I am with you And as your mercy falls I raise my hand Praise the God who gives and takes away And I'll praise you in this storm And I will lift my hands For you are who you are No matter where I am In every tear I've cried You hold in your hands You never is torn I will praise you in this storm I remember when I stumbled in the wind You heard my cry to you Raised me up again But my strength is almost gone can I carry on if I can't find you? But as the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain. I'm with you, and as your mercy. 
That was Casting Crowns with Praise You in the Storm. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Pastor Marty, Pastor Gary. This week we're following the theme, You Are Not a Robot. And today we've been asking the question, Is Sabbath rest just for the Jews? And uh, you've got a few powerful points to to take us through now, Gary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, what I'd like to love to do is, of course, uh, to me, the, uh, the Sabbath given to humanity at the time of creation. I think that's so important. But, you know, as I read, go through the Old Testament, of course, we're going to be moving particularly into the New Testament, uh, tomorrow. Uh, and you won't want to miss that episode. It's really worth, uh, worth listening to. Uh, but, you know, there is so much in the Old Testament where the people to- seem to overlook, uh, the significance of, you know, one of the passages that I really appreciate it are these, Ten Commandments. Last week we did look at these as being uh, as being a principles that would revolutionise our world if our world was prepared to adopt them. We looked at the way Christ actually expanded on a number of those uh, of those uh, commandments. Uh, but if we come back to those commandments today, of course Exodus twenty is where they're found. There is one of them that con- 
concerns the uh, the Sabbath uh, the Sabbath day. Now, of course, you know, prior to this, we find the uh, certainly that the nation after they'd come out of uh, Egypt actually keeping the Sabbath before the commandment is is given. We find that in the with the distribution of the uh, of the manna. But you know, this commandment given on Sinai, written by God's own finger, I think is particularly powerful. Just just listen it, uh, to it here, uh, Marty. Uh, Christ says in the fourth commandment, uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your cattle uh, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. You see, what uh, God does in writing this uh, commandment with his own finger is refers the nation back to that uh, initial experience Back in, mm. back at creation. Now, mm. that to me is is really uh, very, very significant. But I'm conscious that our time is getting away from us. But, you know, there's a couple of um, other uh, things in this commandment that sometimes we totally overlook. And to me, it really displays what to me is the radical nature of this particular commandment. And to me, the, the two things is this, and this is what the command actually says. Now, let me just read, and I'll just pick them up as we go along. Remember the Sabbath day, to, uh, the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. Now that's, hey, I'm rejoicing, fantastic. You shall do no work. That's God is giving me <laughs> a day off. He's telling me, and this, this is a commandment. He's yeah. saying, I want you to remember to take a day off every single week. Now, look, to be actually serving a God that says, I want you to have a day off every week, to me, I think is such a beautiful, beautiful, mm. beautiful picture. It's well, a beautiful picture. It, it's a wonderful picture. It's, I want you to have relationship with me and I want you to have relationship with your with your family, mm. uh, with your mm. community. It's, like uh, a, it's almost like a, a boundary, a guardrail that God puts in place to, to protect us. Against our ourselves. Yeah. Against ourselves. Otherwise, we just... Work ourselves into the graves. We as they would say. work seven days a week. We would get stressed out of our minds. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. We would be left puffing and panting at the end mm-hmm. of the week, and we would just simply become addicted to uh, mm-hmm. all that uh, I have to do and the yeah, great big yeah. to do list. Well, is that where we're at today? I suggest to you that's exactly where we're at today and that this mm-hmm. commandment is the most relevant uh, commandment uh, certainly to uh, a vast portion of the of the population today. Absolutely. But you know Absolutely. the thing that I I love about uh, about this commandment is it does actually keep going and often we overlook this. In it you shall do no work nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your cattle. <laughs> even, oh, even the animals get a rest. Even the animals. You know, some people say, hey, yeah. this commandment is for Jews. Is the ox that pulls the plow, is it a Jew? Ma- tell me, it's Marty. It's so obvious it? I don't even need to say anything, Gary. That's the, the, the ox that pulls your plow is not a Jew. No. But here... 
the ox is being given, God requires mm, mm, mm. that the ox be given mm. a rest. That's, that's a quality. Do, do, do you see the sort of God that it's we're beautiful. actually serving here? You know, to me, you know, look, we live in a day, mm. uh, this, where, I mean, okay, I mean, so often I hear in the, uh, uh, you know, in the popular, popular press that, you know, the God of the Old Testament is a horrible, horrible God because he allows slavery to take place. What God actually does is regulates, uh, slavery and servanthood, mm-hmm. uh, because see, humanity had degenerated. And how do you actually regulate it? Well, in this commandment Mm -hmm. he says your slave or your servant will also have a day off now look it speaks to me of the of the value that god places on on a human being that that they're not just a slave they're not just a robot as we've been talking about earlier that they actually have value and it's almost like once a week it was that weekly reminder that I have value because I've 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 been created by a God who I, I, loves me. I am me. not just I I am not just a living implement. In the day and age in which we're living, you've got to in which um uh in which the this uh, this commandment was written. Remember the nation after nation after nation. The common practice was to have uh, slavery. To have if you conquered a nation in war, then that nation would be become your slaves your your servants uh, you you could take them and use them or abuse them and most often they got abused but if you got caught captured by the, uh, the Jewish nation in war and you became their servant then what did God say to you he said hi hey, look even your servants what he's doing is regulating mm, mm. something that has become a, a a major issue for so many nations mm. uh, and he says hey even your servant who works in your house, you are to give him a day off every mm, single mm, week. Mm. Yeah, I love that, Gary. It is an incredibly beautiful picture of a God who who truly loves us and who truly wants the best for us. And, and this is, in fact, the, the God of the Old Testament. You know, I've got a, yeah. you know, I, I do actually preach from time to time on the God of the Old Testament. In fact, we'll spend an entire week just talking about the God of the Old Testament. And so many people have this picture of the God of the Old Testament as a mean, nasty, hard uh, character who just, uh, who wants to impose everything on, on humanity. And yet I look at this and I say, hey, God really repetitiously in the Old Testament is saying, I want you to have time off. On this occasion, he says, I want you to have one day a week off. But a lot of people don't actually realize that he actually comes back on other occasions and says, uh, well, actually, there's entire weeks that he talks to the um, Jewish nation. And he says, I want you to have them off as well. Now, of course, that's part of the Mosaic law, mm. not part of the moral law. And significantly, there is a major difference between the two, but to his people, to the nation, he does actually command, I want you to have down times. I want you to have slow times. I want you to have time when you can enjoy the work of your hand and the gifts that I have given mm, to you. Mm, mm. It's beautiful, Gary. And, and of course, the, the, the reality is the God of the Old Testament comes in person in, in, in Christ himself in the New Testament. And so there's no disconnect in that sense. And then we see Jesus, um, 
I think the text is Mark chapter 2 and verses 27 and 28 where you Jesus said... You have been looking said, at my notes because here I've got it written. Oh, down. you've got it written there. Well, this is this is a great text. Where he, says that this, he says, the Sabbath was not made for man. The Sabbath was sorry, made sorry. for man. Sorry, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. In That's other it. words, the Sabbath was made as a gift for humanity. And the, man, the word for man there, the Greek anthropos extends far beyond any ethnic or cultural barrier. That's right. It, it means goes, a humanity. It, it means everyone. It, it's actually man in its generic form. So you know? Jesus himself is affirming what he commanded back in the Old Testament in uh, by, by saying those words, that the Sabbath was made for man. It's a gift of time for all time, uh, for all people. And to me... I believe that this is, you know, to me, we're going to move into the New Testament tomorrow and uh, people won't want to miss, you know, our listeners won't want to miss this, uh, uh, this particular presentation tomorrow. But, and you know, to me, as I, as I look at all of this, I look at where the Sabbath came from. I look at the gift that God gave to us at creation. I look at, uh, the, the wonderful gift that was, uh, was humanity was called to accept at the time of the giving of the moral law. I look at Christ coming and uh, and saying that hey you know that, uh, that man uh, that the Sabbath was made for man my, uh, as a gift to humanity and yet I look at my world today and the stressed out environment that many are living and yeah. I say hey how incredibly relevant yes. is this hey uh, in the nick of time Gary if there's someone else who wants to take the free offer today it's when God said remember we've had quite a few you who have texted in thank you so much for texting and if you want the free gift uh when god said remember a great book a little book on the sabbath answers all the questions the the text is uh sa the sorry the code is sa110 and you want to send that to 04 sa110 and we'll send you the book when God said remember, just text us, SA110 to 0488 It's been great to be together. I want to just leave everyone today with this thought from God's word. God says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. May you know and walk in the plan that God has for your life. Thank you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.